Hi everyone, I'm Ian Wright. Make sure you check out my podcast, Wrighty's House, every Wednesday on Ringer FC. Each week, I'm joined by a rotating panel of guests to talk about football, life, films, everything. Search for Ringer FC on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it easy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card. Subject to credit approval, savings available to Apple Card owners, subject to eligibility, savings accounts. Provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new episode of the Prestige TV podcast yesterday. Me and Chris Ryan and Big Waz covered the last couple episodes of Winning Time on HBO, a show that has really found its stride. We explained why. We tried to make predictions for the last four. If you're checking that show out, you should go check out that episode because I thought we covered everything. The Prestige TV pod in general, covering Atlanta every week. Better Call Saul. We're starting deep dives next week. We're going to do winning time the rest of the way. We have Barry coming with a very special guest on that one. We have the re- We Crash season finale. We have We Own This City coming up uh, end of April, which is basically the spiritual successor to The Wire and then The Offer, which uh, I'm really excited about. I've seen the pilot of. It is about the making of The Godfather. So all of that is coming it is going to be a loaded feed the rest of the way. So please check it out because uh, if you like the rewatchables um, and you like some of our pop culture stuff, I would recommend the Prestige TV podcast. Coming up on this podcast, old friend Kevin Wilds. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk all kinds of NBA stuff and he's going to do some half-baked ideas. I am going to give my playoff picks. And last but not least, the great Eddie Johnson. Longtime NBA player. You can hear him with Justin Termini on Sirius NBA show, uh, a show that I really like. And he's going to tell us about the Suns, Devin Booker, talk about life in the 80s, whole bunch of stuff. I really had fun with that one. This is a good podcast. It's all next. First, Pearl Jam. All right, my old friend Kevin Wilds is here. We used to work together a million years ago. He is on First Things First on FS1. He is the master of the half-baked ideas. He is somebody who was on my side as we predicted Tom Brady would not go away, that he was immortal. Do you think he could play until he's 50? What's your 
What's your yes. final age? What's the over under age for Tom Brady's actual retirement? If I gave you like 48 and a half, would you go over? Yes. You'd go I over? Wouldn't bet. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't bet it. If it was at 52, I wouldn't bet it. I'd be like, ah, I'm going to leave that one alone. But he said 50 or 55 before. Yeah. 55 seems, seems strange until you like look up and like, oh, Brad Pitt is you know, 89. Like, wow, he looks good for 89. So, That's like Mark just, Jones on ESPN. He's like 61. <laughs> like, it just, I don't know, aging doesn't really matter anymore. So, I think no, Greg Gumble. I think Greg Gumbel is like 123. I read that. I don't know if that's true. Looks great. Looks great. Looks great. It's never look better. Yeah, the Brady thing. I wonder what's going to happen here with Brady and LeBron from an age standpoint. I think they're going to be Really fascinating because of the technology and all the ways you can keep your body way fresher than any other era we've had. Their competitiveness, their goals to break records, to you know set some sort of bar, and also the honestly the fact that they love the limelight. I think Brady. Wait, wait, we'll talk about the conspiracy stuff with Dolphins in a second. But if Brady's still good, why wouldn't he play? You and I would both keep playing until we weren't good at playing anymore. What well, I feel like. Something that has been consistently just overlooked is 44 is still young to retire. Like no one in Brady's, none of Brady's peers are retiring. I mean, his NFL peers are retiring, but none of the guys he went to high school with or college are talking (laughs) about golfing eight hours a day for the next 40 years of their life. So yeah. it's not that strange. And I know the broadcast acts like he's 70 years old because he is old in comparison to every other quarterback. But in real life, he's not old. So of course he's not going to retire. Be like, oh, Bill, you should retire. You should just be done and, and just golf. They're like, no. I, first of all, I like what I'm doing. I don't want to retire. Wait, talk so to I, me more about me retiring because I, I feel like you could talk me into it in about a minute and a half. About retire? Why? No. It sounds well, great. Try, I try to get you the other way. I try, not- I'm going to mail you a mail you a typewriter like I'm Tom Hanks. Like, hey, why don't you bang out a column? Just give it a shot. Just start fresh. Mm. Maybe someday. Yeah, I think Brady, I, I think the lesson we have, no matter what the eras are, is people usually play until it really starts to decline and they become a little bit embarrassed. Or like in Peyton Manning's case, nobody wants to hire them anymore. You yeah, know, so but it's they'll like, stick around for as long as they can. Very rarely do people go, I'm good. And they do the blackjack, wiping the hands and put their hands up. They're gone. So do you think Brady would be satisfied with a, a nine and eight season, a nine and eight season where he's just, would he be satisfied with a Jimmy G type season where like I, the team wins, but he doesn't, you know, it's a lot of running attack and defense. I think he said, Every single individual record you could probably set, and those things are probably so far away, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. I think he's looking at it solely with the Super Bowls. LeBron has the two things concurrently, right? He wants more rings. He's four, which is a good number, but it's still one less than Kobe, two less than Jordan. Mm -hmm. Um, He knows he has to at least keep going to try to pass Kareem. He knows he has a chance to do 40,000 points. I don't believe the stuff about playing with the son as a big motivator because we have no idea if his son's an NBA player or not. Like that still has sure. to play out. But the 40,000 points and more rings. So like we, we were texting about, let's say, let's say they can't figure out the Westbrook thing. You know, I talked about that uh, on my Tuesday podcast with uh, KOC. What if they can't figure it out? What if nobody wants Westbrook 
What if it's just totally a sunk agree. cost and you have to bring him into the season and just hope like he's an expiring contract in February? You just have to look at it like we can't get anything for this guy. So either we bury him, we push him to the side, or we we hope we could trade him. If he's looking at that, would LeBron now look at that situation and go, this is now not my best chance to win another ring? Do I shove myself somewhere else? Where would that place be, Kevin Wilds? So I think that him bouncing around, going back to Cleveland doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Him looking, it's like, oh, I want to go to New York. I don't think any of that makes any sense because he does have an empire in L.A. and his family in L.A. and Bronny has another year of school. So it's like, oh, he'll never leave the Lakers. And I feel like the only one in, in the class raising my hand, like, ah, uh, there is another team in Los Angeles that literally plays in the same building. Like yeah. he might be able to even like just move, pick up his stuff and move it a few yards to the other locker room. Like, I feel like a Paul George to play with Westbrook, by the way, that's the bonus take of it. A Paul George for LeBron move that LeBron would have to initiate. It's not like Rob Polinka would do this, but LeBron say, you know what? Maybe, maybe me and Kawhi, maybe that's the move. I, I think that'd be fascinating. I don't think anyone's giving it any real, I don't know, credence, but I've yet to figure out why it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because you could say, ah, the Clippers, they have that stink on them. Donald Sterling's the owner, but he's not the owner anymore. Steve Ballmer's the owner. You could say they're the second class team in LA, but if LeBron is on the team, that shifts a little bit in a way that Kawhi and Paul George being on a team in LA that also has LeBron and Davis, like it, it, it just would swing the importance of those two teams against each other. I think it's interesting. You thought it would be a Paul George trade. Cause I think you could talk me into like either guy. Cause for Kawhi and we'll go into some of the Clipper stuff in a second. I actually think Paul George, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm the Clippers. I wouldn't trade Paul George for LeBron, as crazy as that sounds. LeBron's going to be in his 20th year la next year. He's on the last year of his deal. I have no idea if he's going to stay versus Paul George I have under contract, and he's really good. And then you have Kawhi, who has just missed a ton of games. And, you know, I, I think if you're them, maybe that's a chance to reduce the risk of the Kawhi contract and roll the dice with LeBron, right? But I, 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 I mean, maybe I just like the Paul George Westbrook pairing. I'm just, I'm just, always just trying reunion? to reunite people. I just always am trying to reunite everybody. It's just like yeah. the Bronx Brady thing. I'm just always trying to get, you know, old teammates back together. Um, well, like us, we're back together. Exactly. And people said it could never happen. <laughs> you know, no one said that, but I, but, <laughs> but for the right, uh, one other thing that I wanted to run by you. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony Davis is, exit interview oh yeah he was he blamed a lot of it on injury and there's been a common narrative of you know get his body right hang out with lebron sleep in a hyperbaric chamber you know eat better use the calm app the whole night and anthony day was like my training was great like i stepped on rudy gobert's foot and someone rolled into me and i went back and watched the injuries and like yeah anthony davis is right the, there, this was not a training, uh, a lack of training or a lack of endurance that got him injured. It was just two freak accidents. So after that exit interview that I feel like he got kind of ripped for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he was right. And I don't, I feel like no one's taking his side on it. So basically, do you think that Anthony Davis could come back and play 82 games in the playoffs since the two injuries he had this year were freak accidents? 
I, well, freak accidents in one sense, but in the other sense, I thought he was carrying too much weight. And maybe if he's carrying less weight and he's a little more limber, he might avoid it. Hey, I'm, I'm taking what Anthony Davis said and I'm veering in a sideways direction with it. I wonder, like you think of all these, these tall guys, the six foot 11 and up guys, the, the rim runners, the guys who have their hands up, the guys that are always like jumping up and down where there's a lot of legs and feet. I wonder if those are the dangerous people, most dangerous people to pay. Like you even saw it with the Celtics with Robert Williams, right? He's had a ton of injuries. Um, Embiid, he's been out a bunch. And I was thinking like, this is all swinging Jokic's way because he can't jump. He's never in a situation where he lands on anyone's feet. Jokic is the safest bet of any center because he has a six-inch vertical leap. Oh, goodness. Whereas all these other guys who are in the air, no matter who they are, they, they seem over and over again. Like either their bodies break down or like Blake Griffin. How many... Injuries did Blake Griffin have? He had like eight yeah, different no, injuries. I don't know. He's stuck so, on the bench. Whereas LeBron, I think one of the reasons he's more durable is he, you know, he would get in the air, especially in the first half of his career. But he was really, he became more of like a, I'm just plowing through everybody. Kind of like what Anthony Edwards does now, mm-hmm. the young Anthony Edwards. But I wonder, like, I, I would just, I was thinking Wait, about Duncan. The young Anthony, well, the young Anthony, you think Kevin Garnett. About? Kevin Garnett's another one, 2009. High alley-oop, lands on site, and that's it. His career has totally changed. I don't know. I was just thinking, like, it, it is weird that there are so many of these injuries with those guys who are around the rim. And should we be more concerned about when you give, like, somebody, like, a $220 million deal for a big guy, those guys seem to get hurt more That's often. interesting. I think there was I, a Reddit post, mm. and I talked to somebody about this, and it was on um, landing mechanics. Yeah. And it was for all, for all of the science and analytics, someone just broke down landing mechanics. And I think it was a Derek, it was a Derek Rose post on just how, when you, when you're so explosive, you can get up in the air, you just land incorrectly. And that right. there should be more focus on like, Hey, this is how you should land that no one has ever, you know, studied or explained. It's, it's certainly interesting, but I'm, ja, I'm ja got hurt this year. There. Zion, he's been out. I wonder Zion, like, is Zion out or, I mean the Zion stuff. Have you ever seen? <laughs> have you ever seen uh, more? Have you ever seen better warm-up dunks for a guy who can't get on the court? Like, w- what dunk are we waiting for Zion to do? He's doing three sixty dunks yesterday. He threw one off the backboard between his legs, caught it, and dunked. Like, what right. exactly do we, we need him to jump over a Kia to for to, for the Pelicans to be like? You know what? I think you're ready. You you passed the Kia test. <laughs> well, we talked to the doctors. If you can jump over Kia, if you can jump up and blow a candle out uh, from a cupcake that we have on the <laughs> rim, then we'll be ready to go. You passed. It's ridiculous. Well, why is he wearing those giant sweatshirts? It almost seems like he's trying to hide something. He's dressing like somebody who came back from spring break and put on weight and is now wearing like baggy clothes. So nobody... I can't tell. It's very strange. You'll look at another picture and he, and he looks super ripped. So I don't know. Yeah, for some t- some reason he dresses half the time like like the the brother who failed in a sports movie who's jealous of the hero. <laughs> and he's just he's like Rod Tidwell's brother and Jerry Maguire. He kind of has that, that that kind of vibe to him. Yeah, I was cause I was trying to figure out why big guys, some guys last longer and some guys have more injuries. And admittedly, I haven't done the mega study on it, but Tim Duncan, 
basically the last 10 years of his career, right? He was on one leg, but maybe that was one of the reasons he was so durable and played so long because he wasn't like constantly around. I Every time I watch basketball, I'm always amazed more guys don't get hurt. When you see these guys flying into a pile of bodies with the feet, the ankle, just everything. Like, I, I think it's kind of amazing we don't have more injuries. Did, we, did you hear my, um, my like no Like the smart diving? curry thing. That, you like, how no does that not happen more often? No diving. Let's hear it. My no diving take is that is diving should be outlawed in the NBA. You can't you can't dive for the ball, period. Ever. If you can dive for the ball, if it's going out of bounds and you want to and you want to keep it in bounds, like the old Dennis Rodman poster. But if there's yeah. someone near the ball, yeah, and the idea that you would dive for it like it's a fumble would be eliminated from the game. It'd be a flagrant foul. It's just too dangerous of a play. Where LeBron got hurt doing mm. um uh Steph got hurt um Kyrie almost got hurt I think that was earlier this year Kyrie almost got hurt like we're just waiting for someone to get seriously injured with something that's obvious and there's a certain you know nostalgia for it, like oh get on the floor dive it makes no sense and it's a player safety issue like no you so, have, you can pick up the ball but you're not allowed to just dive at the ball head first when there's someone around and you, I would treat it like a like a quarterback roughing the quarterback. Any touch of of any molecule would be is a flagrant foul. No Interesting. Doubt. It sounds crazy, but it makes perfect sense, and it will eventually happen. I'm going to be going in the ground in 50 years and be like, "Good news, they passed the no diving rule." Like, yes, I knew it was going to happen. And then I would go, "It's going to happen eventually." It's ridiculous. Yeah, I was trying to think if you had told me what, 15 years ago that you're not going to be able to hit receivers over the middle anymore and you can't try to sack a quarterback unless it's at their hips? And guess what? I would have said, there's the no better. way they're going to do that. That's going to ruin football. And the game's better. The game's better and faster and safer. Maybe we do, in the regular season, you can't dive. <laughs> no, you can't ever. Well, that's actually not bad. That's actually not bad. If You Just, know what? If, that, if that's what it needs... To, to get over the finish line, it's like getting a bill through the government. Like, you know what? I'll make that concession. Well, then what Let, do we do with get, soccer? The slide, the slide tackle is the most dangerous there's thing in no, soccer. There's no slide tackles in youth soccer. No yeah. slide tackles. Too dangerous. It's just called a dangerous play because it's too dangerous. Hmm. Slide tackles let's, overall should go. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the Clippers. Hey, in the NBA playing tournament, there's no sure things except one. If you bet at least $20 of the same game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, you'll get an instant bonus, win or lose. That's right. Get the NBA's best duking it out on Friday night for the right to advance to the playoffs. And FanDuel giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. The more you bet, the bigger the bonus. I would recommend messing around with the New Orleans game. I like New Orleans' chances against the Clippers. You can either do an adjusted line, bring them all the way to like plus seven and a half, or just bet them to win. And then throw in the C.J. McCollum will score 20 points. Throw in some Herb Jones steals, whatever you want to do. I like McCollum and Herb Jones in that game. Uh, but I would recommend that for some sort of same game parlay. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA. Their app is safe, easy to use. You'll get your winnings fast. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today with promo code BS to make every moment more. Don't just watch the NBA playing tournament. Be a part of it. Bet at least $20 in same game parlays. Get an instant bonus, win or lose. Must be 21 plus present in select states only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expired seven days. Max bonus, $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117. 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800-GAMBLER.net. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, coming back. So we're taping this. It's Thursday morning. The Clippers playing game is on Friday night. So if Kawhi miraculously does the Willis Reed for this game, like, like we didn't know. Um, sorry, we didn't talk about that, but I, I, I'm going to guess that's not going to happen. This Clippers thing is pretty crazy. In 2019, they're 48 and 34 feel good team lost to Golden State round one. They had SGA, they had Gallo, Zubats, Pat Beverly, Shamit, Harrell, Lou Williams, ton of picks, cap space. Okay. They say, fuck it. They go all in on Kawhi and Paul George. OKC's haul from that trade. They got SGA. They got Gallinari. They got Miami's 2021 first, which turned into Trey Mann. They have the Clippers first this year. Pick swap with the Clippers, 23. Clippers first and 24. Pick swap with the Clippers, 25. Clippers first and 26. Here's what's happened with the Clippers. 49 and 23 in 2020, lost round two, game seven in the bubble. 2021, 47-25, lost to Phoenix, round three, conference finals, game six. 2022 Clippers, 42-40, and 40, playing for their play-in lives against the Pelicans. This could be the end of year three of Kawhi and Paul George. So I guess the question is, was it worth it? Yeah, well, okay. The, I mean, you just laid out a great argument that it was not worth it. But if suppose they get through the Pelicans, and all of a sudden, Kawhi is feeling good. Would you be shocked if if they ended up in the in the Western Conference Finals? Would you be Would you be just like I? And I believe in the Suns with an asterisk. But would you be shocked what? if what, what what asterisk? What else do they have to do? They would They could have gotten like sixty seven and fifteen if they wanted to. What do you mean asterisks? I just what I what's just, missing? Tell certain, me. I I don't know. I just, I, I just, I believe in the Suns. I said I believe in the Suns. With, with an, an asterisk. asterisk. You said, what's the it's asterisk? With an asterisk. I, it's like, it's like a, fran I think it's, it, it might be a little bit of franchise. Oh. It but might they've never gotten a, over a the hump as a franchise. Of, yeah. I, I believe, you know, I believed in uh, the Red Sox 
but before until we won a World Series, then he started to really believe in. I know, and I know that makes no logical sense. No, it makes sense. It's that a red sign. I get Chambers' it. failure has no, nothing to do with Devin Booker, but I'm just, you know, I'm just going to tell you what's in my heart. I believe in them with an asterisk. Kawhi and Paul George, they've missed 208 regular season games in three seasons. Kawhi missed the last eight, last eight playoff games last year. Probably not in the playoffs this year. They've won three playoff series total. And here's my take. Okay. I think you do it again. I would do it okay, again. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, what I'm saying. I, I think got, they had stars. I went into this when I was doing my research, thinking the day of the go for it trade is over, and then I look back at all the go for it trades, starting with the Celtics and with Kyrie that did not work. Two series wins. He played five playoff games total. The Rockets with CP3 almost worked. Had a great regular season team. Couldn't get over the hump for what they gave up. Maybe. Brooklyn getting KD, like basically using their cap for KD and Kyrie hasn't worked yet. Sure. But 2019 Raptors with the go for a trade with Kawhi, one year of Kawhi, they gave up DeMar DeRozan and Pirtle, who's good. It worked. worked. They won the title. 2020 Rockets, they go in for Russ, did not work. That's like your worst case scenario. Big picks down the road, trade was a disaster, hard now to be traded. 2020 Lakers, Gave up more for anybody in the history of the NBA. Worked. They won a finals. I think most Lakers fans, I guess, would do that again. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The Clippers we mentioned, 2021 Bucks. Drew Holiday won the finals. And then the uh, 2022 Sixers. So I just listed nine teams who went for it since 2018. And three of them were three of our four finals champions during that stretch. Yeah. Well, don't you prefer a team to just say, I feel like we're in the golden age of sports carpe diem. And, mm. and it's probably LeBron when he was signing all those one-year contracts of like, no planning for the future. Let's, I want to win now. And we're in, you know, bring Kevin Love here. Like, I want to win now. And then Tom, I felt like Tom Brady followed LeBron's footsteps. Yeah. Belichick was like, ah, we kind of put a championship on the credit card. Now the Bills do. And Tom Brady's like, well, I'm out on this. I'm, I'm done with you guys spending money on special teams when I want wide receivers. Yep. Um, and then the Bucks went all in. And then now it felt like Tom Brady had to have a sham retirement to make them go all in again. So right. If I'm a franchise, I like going. I like a team that's willing to go all in. If I'm in a fan, I like a team that's willing to go all in. And yeah, I would do it again if I was the Clippers. And if I'm Steve Ball, the Rams too. The Rams were another all-in team. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand the Rams salary cap. Explain that one to me. Like they just keep it's like on the, adding. It's like the Bermuda Triangle when we used to watch Bermuda Triangle shows in the '80s and '90s. I'm like, why is this a bigger deal? Hey, all these planes just disappear there. What, what's happening? Like every free agent, like oh, you know, Gilmore is interested in the Rams. Like how? How? Right? How? How? What is going on? Like, well, they're, yeah, they're I, good with the I, cap. Like, I follow sports it. for a living. I got a 690 in math on my SATs. <laughs> and I feel like I understand everything. And then when it comes to the NFL salary cap, it might as well be in like Greek. No, no idea. <laughs> I, I, no it's idea. Just like the Rams are like, oh, the Rams signed this guy. And we're like, the Patriots, I they spent like four free agents a spring ago. And now they're like completely handicapped this year. They can't get anybody. It's like they're just bargain shopping. 
<laughs> I do understand the Patriots. I do understand the Patriots salary cap. The Patriots salary cap is very much like the cash I have in my wallet. Like, oh, I have twenty dollars. I bought a coffee. Now it's seventeen dollars. <laughs> right. no- a bag of tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> And it's like, okay, now I'm done to eight. There is no good news, everybody. We got Tyron Matthew and we're paying him $12 million a year. Like, oh, great. It just, it just feels very, it feels very. Well, it almost seems like, basic. it's like, it almost seems like the NFL salary cap is a credit card in college that you can either go nuts with or be responsible with. And it seems like the Patriots are just super responsible. We don't want to do this. It could hurt us down the road. The part I don't get is, they have a quarterback on a rookie contract who's picked in the middle of the first round, which is the biggest asset you have. You have everybody else's, like Derek Carr. He's, I don't know, $40 million a year extension, right? Every good team that they're competing against is paying somewhere between like 20 and $50 million for their quarterback. And the Pats have a quarterback probably making like three or four. And they're like, ah, ah JC Jackson, too rich for our blood. It's like, is, is it? I think we're I I I follow the salary cap um, guy on Patriot salary cap on Twitter and I like that excellent. guy and e- excellent. I think we're gonna have a ton of money next year. All but right, I also great. don't so like to be in over. the preseason. I don't like to be in the preseason talking about next year already. Yeah, I agree. Talking about next, anyway, two back, years from now. Sorry, back to ahead. the Clippers. They uh, they didn't really, from a salary standpoint, get crushed the first two years, but this year's team which went 42 and 40. Paul George played 31 games. Kawhi played zero games. Made the playoffs. $166 million payroll, $83 million luxury tax bill. The team cost $249 million. I guess the bigger picture thing for the Clippers, it wasn't just a gamble on winning the title. It was a gamble on trying to own basketball in LA. It was Balmer's belief that he could build an LA basketball team that could either rival or surpass the Lakers, right down to the fact he's building this multi-billion dollar basketball arena, you know, in Inglewood, because he doesn't want to be tied to the Lakers in any way. He's going to, we're going to beat these guys. And they get Kawhi and they get Paul George. Kawhi made first team All-NBA last year. Paul George made third team. So two of the best 15 guys in the league. So I still think it's defensible. It's just kind of amazing how, how bad the luck was with the Kawhi injury when it happened. To have somebody hurt his ACL in round two of a playoff series that they're probably about to win, but then it's a 12-month injury and it brings it to the next. So it's almost like you somehow lose two playoffs with the same injury, which is almost, and Denver, I guess, has a little bit of this with Jamal Murray, but that, to me, that gets into some weird Clippers curse shit, which I was writing about in 2009, about pulling the team away from Buffalo and all the weird shit that happened. This is among the weirdest things that, that's happened to them. I love that, I love that you are. A, a wonderful mix of like in-depth analysis and then just talking about curses. W- and crazy the, shit. With, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, it's this wonderful mix. Um, uh, prove me wrong. What other team would that happen to? This is a 45 year run for them of just pick the worst thing that can happen to a team. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin had eight surgeries. This was their guy. He need, he was out for the year as a rookie. Well, yeah, he came out of college. He didn't even, what he got hurt? He got hurt in summer league, right? He got hurt in preseason. Yeah. Um, Okay, question for you. When you talked about Balmer wanting to own LA basketball. Yeah. Do you think that is remotely on the board? Because we're going through it here with the Knicks and the Nets. 
The Nets are in the playoffs. They have maybe, you know, a definite top 15 player of all time. Yeah. Kyrie, one of the most dynamic players of all time. And at one point, James, uh, you know, an MVP and James Harden. And it was still like, oh, <laughs> you know, the Knicks won two in a row. Like, yeah, big celebration. And and the Nets will never have it. It's just, it's they like, it's like Yankees Mets a little bit. I wonder if the players feel that or or do they even care? Like, I, I don't think Durant cares about, I just think he wants to play basketball. I don't think he cares about his situation in any way. He in mentioned that it the other day. When they, won, yeah. when they won at the Garden, there was a little bit of cheering. He's like, oh, I, you know, we're getting there. I think Kyrie cares a little bit yeah. just because he grew up in New Jersey and he, and he really, you know, he's talked openly about like how much he loved the Nets growing up. But I wonder if Ballmer is sort of chasing this goal that he can never catch of like the hearts and minds of the LA sports fan. When I, even when he gets a championship, he's still going to be like, huh? Eh. Turns have, out it's still a Lakers town. I have a good analogy for you. Okay. It's a little like Zuckerberg with the metaverse. Don't get me started on metaverse, dude. He's like, I see the future and I'm going to be at the forefront of it. It's the metaverse. Bomber's like, I see the future. It's it's L.A. basketball, only instead of the Lakers, it's the Clippers. <laughs> and just goes all in. And it's like, Steve, stop spending money. No, I can't stop. I'm going to make this happen. And that's kind of like Zuckerberg. I, I really like Bomber. I, I think if you have Bomber as an owner, you're in great shape. He's All sure. you want from an owner is be supportive, do whatever yeah, it takes to win, them. spend money. Be a good mm-hmm. guy. He seems to check all those boxes, but I think he's sorely, sorely, sorely underestimated the Laker DNA in LA. And to the point where like Kawhi and George go to Dodgers games and they show them on the Jumbotron and they get booed. Oh, like, I didn't know. Really? Oh, yeah. It's that Lakers, Why? Dodgers. Because Lakers fans and Dodger fans, that's it. That's 97% of LA. And they don't like the Clippers. So huh. they, if Laker fans aren't like, well, if we don't win, at least the Clippers are still in it. They don't think that way. It's just like the Knicks fans could care less about Brooklyn. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you defeat that. You try to get kids, you have cool, cooler uniforms, you know, and yeah. you basically try to raise young pup Nets and Clipper fans, I think is the move and, and grab people in their twenties who just root for players instead of teams. That's where yeah. our kids are going to root for players, not teams. That's where this is really heading. Oh yeah, my kids. My kids love the Bucks and the Chiefs. They don't. Yeah, like which makes no sense. You live in New York. I know. I know. But like, so I like the Patriots, but they don't. They don't live in New England, so they don't have an affinity for the Patriots. Although I'm trying to indoctrinate them with, you know, Mac Jones. Uh, but Billy mm. likes the Billy likes the Bucks because he dressed up as a pirate and he saw yeah. the Bucks have you know a cannon. That's great. And Russie likes Mahomes. Everybody loves Mahomes. So. You yeah, know what? It's, I, I, we're going back to where we were in the mid seventies, where most of the kids in class would either go. The kids would either go for the local team, or just who was good the moment they started liking sports. That's right. Which is why a lot of the people my age are like big Steeler fans, big Cowboy fans, big Yankee fans. You yep. know, and I guess in Boston there weren't a lot of Yankee fans, but there were like because the Patriots weren't very good. There were Steelers and Cowboys fans, which I always thought was weird. It's like, why don't you run for the Patriots? They're right here. It's like, well, they went 3-11 and 11 last year. Um, but yeah, the Clippers, it's a missed opportunity, but I don't begrudge them for going for it. I will say we, we, we could look back at this historically 
with all of the picks they're going to give up if Kawhi cannot stay on the court. And Paul George, who's now, he's had a whole bunch of uh, different physical issues too. Those guys are now in their 30s. And uh, and I just wonder how that works you, out for them. Do you want to still talk? Can I throw one more take in on the Clippers? And this was something yeah, let's Nick hear it. Said, this is something Nick said on the show today. Said the Nick last, Wright, Kevin Durant's arch rival, Nick Wright? Look, hey, you know, any news is good news. Uh, you should have him on the pod, by the way. This is my public. Oh, you would you would love it. You guys would be great. Um, he's more analytical, less like curses, but you guys could get into it. Yeah. Um, he, he said something interesting. He said, the last person that led the Lakers that the Lakers drafted was Kobe. Oh, it was a, you know, a trade. Uh, James, and then James Worthy. Like every Lakers star was, you know, came to LA for the Lakers. It wasn't a right. build through the draft scenario. So do you think that, ex- because it's a lot of the, you know, ancillary well, co- technically ancillary they drafted stuff. Kobe, they technically drafted, but they traded for the pick to get him. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, well, I'll count Kobe and James and then, but then it's James Worthy. Yeah. Um, and the idea that LA, just like the Rams, all, whether it's business and the weather and whatever, do you, don't you think that the Clippers can draft off that a little bit like and just you know sell la as part of the benefit of playing for steve ballmer and steve yeah. Ballmer's team. i mean their best hope is that the lakers continue to be such a dumpster fire behind the scenes that the clippers just look like the more competent organization you know because you think like the lakers were a complete dumpster fire for the entire 2010s they got lebron because he wanted to live in la and they had cap space they got Davis because they had been in the top seven of the lottery so many times and they had LeBron. They were able to will Davis to come over thanks to Clutch. But other than that, now they're in the same situation again with the same two guys and really no help at all. And you could argue they have one of the worst organizational situations in the entire league. Whereas Great. the Clippers have been pretty competent. They have a really good coach. And, you know, I, I think there's a professionalism to them on the court behind the scenes that I just don't know if the Lakers have. I think that maybe it's the new arena. Well, the new arena will be, you know, that could push it over the top too. Who knows? Um, all right, we're gonna take one more break. This episode is brought to you by Nissan SUV. It's good to stay up to date. I mean, we've seen this in basketball. We've seen it in football. We've seen it in baseball. Once the stats started taking off in the 2000s, everybody had to figure that out. Then I remember in basketball, first it was three-pointers. Then it was defensive stats. You just got to keep moving. You got to keep evolving. You got to keep going. Now it's pace and threes. What's it going to be next, big guys? That's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system. With Google Maps, Assistant, and more, you can stay up to date on everything that's ahead without even needing to connect your phone. Find your next adventure with the Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada SUVs at NissanUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. 
I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by U.S. News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. All right. I did a Wilds like Instagram post. I wrote out what I thought was going to happen in the playoffs. Now, okay. I, I actually didn't do this for Instagram, but then when I wrote it out, I was like, oh, that looks cool. And I just posted it. I posted my <laughs> pics, which my picks were basically um, Miami over Atlanta, Toronto over Philly. Ooh. Phoenix over New Orleans. Dallas over Utah. Boston over Brooklyn. Milwaukee over Chicago. Memphis over Minnesota. Golden State over Denver. Then next round, Miami over Toronto. Yep. Boston over Milwaukee. Phoenix over Dallas. Memphis over Golden State. I'm sorry, Golden State over Memphis. And then last but not least, Boston over Miami, Phoenix over Golden State, and then the finals, Phoenix over Boston, the 1976 wow. finals rematch. So those are my picks. I nailed off for a playing game so far. Um, out of the out of the ones, my favorite for a round one. I like Golden State the most. I picked them in the Instagram post. Golden State in seven. The more I look at it, I think Denver. I think Denver might be the worst team in the West that made the playoffs. Even if you gave me New Orleans or the Clippers coming in there, it's Jokic, who I voted for MVP. And then it's just like, I don't trust anyone else in that team. And I guess the question is, like, if you're Phoenix and you have the first pick, you can pick any other playoff team in the West to play for. And let's say we'll include New Orleans and the Clippers. Would you take... You would rather play play the... All right, let's say the Clippers beat New Orleans. Take, take, yeah, okay. We'll take New Orleans out. Would you rather play the Clippers, Minnesota, or Denver? If you're Phoenix. Uh, I think I would I, rather I'm, play Denver. Yeah, I'm not playing Ty Lue. After, after Ty Lue... The Bill Belichick of basketball? Yeah. I, you know what? I like that. I like You that. did? Can he win yeah. more than one title? <laughs> I think it'd be great. Uh, can he can he win a playing game against Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell will. before we compare it to Bill Belichick? Cool. He will. You compared? Did, did you compare him to? Or was that a sarcastic take or no? A real take? The Bill Belichick. No, that's what they said that on the telecast. Kevin Harlan and oh, the I, other guy. Oh, I thought they were that was like, you. you know, some people in basketball they feel like he's the Bill Belichick of ba- of basketball. Oh, and I thought that was a me Bill and many Simmons other people exclusive. like. Wait, what? No. Oh, no. I thought that was a Bill no. Simmons exclusive. No. Bill Belichick well, of basketball is iconic. Um, oh, yeah. But anyway, my point is, I think Denver is probably the team you'd want to play in the West because of the supporting casting, because they're not going to have Murray back. It doesn't seem like. So if they don't have Murray back, I'd rather play them and just give Jokic, give them his 32, 17 and 10 every game. And I still think I can beat them. I, I agree with you. Are you worried about Luca's cast? Where, where's your worry meter on a scale? I'm not worried, 10? but. I, I just feel like he's like us. Luca's our our avatar for what it would like to be the NBA. He shows up overweight. He's, not, he likes I to play at his overweight. own pace. No, I'm just saying in general, <laughs> he's the most identifiable player in the league. It's like, oh, Luca, 
why, why'd you show up 50 pounds overweight? I love sweet tea. I'm sorry. It's my weakness. It's like, Luca went on vacation. Oh no, it came back. He gained seven pounds. Oh, Luca strained his calf. I am rooting for Luca to come back. Me too. Because I, I adhere to the, uh, to the Donovan wants out of Utah conspiracy yeah, that, theory. I mean, that's great for your show that you get but, two months out of that. But if, but if, if the Jazz win, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, and Donovan and Rudy start playing well, I'm like, oh, Donovan, you're not, you're not, you're not going to ask out. But the Donovan to New York thing, I'm just obsessed with. I just love the idea of Donovan New York, him mm-hmm. leaving Utah. Quinn Snyder's going to leave. Him and Rudy don't get, don't seem to yeah. be perfectly gelling. Let's say. Um, but man, if they beat Luca, I'm like, gosh, gosh darn it! So all all Knicks fans need to go, and we're going to fly down to Dallas for game. Uh, yeah, why not support the, uh, yeah. support the franchise? Support, support Luca. I have Dallas in seven in that series. I'm tired of watching this incarnation of Utah. I think they're, they're probably in, my least fun team to watch out of all the teams. Um, I think Dallas and Utah is actually. Uh, I would stay away from that from a gambling standpoint. My favorite ones. I have these on uh, on Fanduel. I like that there's a parlay you can do with the Golden State money line. And the Bucks to either win in four or five. They're not going to win in four. And that's you plus don't th- 117. No, it's Bucks to win four a- or five. Oh, four or five. Okay. Yeah. So it's just that, that we that series does not go to game six. You can bet on that. It's minus like 190. Um, I like that. I like the Toronto money line. I think that Tybal thing's a disaster for them. That's their only defender. He's not, not going to play in three Toronto games. That's That's brutal. We have to make sure you don't get to three Toronto games, right? Yeah, I think that's a bad matchup for Philly. I also like the Raps in six. That's plus 490. I like the Celts in six plus 550. I don't know if Brooklyn has the same kind of... Boston was one of the best road teams of the last 20 years. And I'm not sure Brooklyn has the kind of home court advantage, like if they were going to Milwaukee or a place like that. I think a no, Brooklyn game would have a lot of Boston fans at it. Brooklyn has no home home court advantage. Can I yeah. give you my my best... Celtic stat, courtesy of my researcher Dusty. Yeah, do you know the Cel- the largest point differential since the merger? Ninety five, ninety six Bulls, twelve point two, won the title. Obviously, twenty twenty two Celtics. Now, this is the caveat I, I made with Dusty. Yeah, not looking at the full season. I'm breaking the year, breaking the Celtic season into two. Right, twenty twenty one Celtics and the twenty twenty two Celtics. Right. So this is all since New Year's Eve. Differential, 12.2. 2016-17 Warriors, 11.6, won the title. 96-97 Bulls, 10.8, won the title. So the, the, the 2022 Celtics, starting at New Year's Eve, don't talk to me about October, yep. are, are, have the second best point-per-game differential since the merger. And it's pretty good. Like that line, I just love that stat. And everybody around them has won the title. So I'm, I'm, yeah. surprised, you don't believe, I'm surprised you don't believe them. Got them going to the finals and losing. <laughs> I don't believe in them. I have to go to the finals. <laughs> I have to beat Brooklyn and Milwaukee back to back here. I just think that's and losing a really hard road. Um, Phoenix since January first, thirty-seven and ten. Dallas thirty-five and twelve. Celtics thirty-four and twelve. Memphis thirty-three and twelve. I'm with you. I I actually think people are sleeping. This Brooklyn Boston thing. Now oh, I don't want to jinx it. There's there's more rumbling. Simmons is going to come back midway through the series. Yes. 
Uh, but uh, Robert Williams will be back middle of the series, in my opinion. <laughs> can I give you my? Can I give you a half baked, a bacon, a half baked idea here? Yeah, I've go, I've gone down a few YouTube um, spirals. I get caught and I can't pull myself out of it. Uh, greatest entrances. So it's a lot of like Eminem shows up at a concert. Drake shows up at his concert to do his verse. CM Punk. Ro- yeah, yeah, a lot of Royal Rumble stuff. Yeah, the countdown. So if Robert Williams or Ben decide to come back, I would just yeah. like at one point, you know, don't be on the bench. Just be like, oh, we don't know where Robert Williams or Ben Simmons is. And then it's just like, boop, boop, Oh, like boop. Chris Jericho then, in 1999. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Robert Williams comes back. There's a famous like Larry Bird. Like, here comes Larry Bird. Just take it to the next level and just give me a full-on Ben Simmons theme song. If Ben comes back out, in Boston, be like, boo! Like, yeah, Ben Simmons is back. Oh, I would love it. I would, lo- so, I would love it. So the Celtics for game five, everyone's on the court, warm-ups, they're about to do the announce-ups, and it just goes dark. <laughs> and a spotlight on, a spotlight on, the, on the entrance. <gasps> and it's The Rock. Oh, The Rock is here. But then The Rock introduces somebody. So it's Robert yeah, Williams. Be It'd be great. I think we need a good theme song. I don't know if we have enough time to get the composers to compose something great. No, you just use the Chris Jericho where it'd be like, dan, dan. it's like that loud countdown. And then it just, there's an explosion. You need the explosions, I think would help too. I think we see him, the the way this, uh, the spacing of the schedule, just with a total fluke, really broke nicely for both teams. I personally think Simmons, who we still know has not full court scrimmage at all. And they're claiming like, well, if he comes back, they'll ramp it up. But if he gets thrown into this, not having played basketball for a year, a guy that um, allegedly has battled with some of his like, you know, mental makeup stuff. Sure. And he goes into this. I think the Celtics are just going to hack a Benham, put him on the line right away. Oh, try to try to mess with him. I really think that's what they're going to do. Like you can't just let him come out there and be like, Cool. I'm just going to guard Jason Tatum and I'll stay out of the way on offense. It's like, no, man, motherfucker, you're in this series. We are, you're going to the foul line right now. Let's see it. Let's see what you got and try to, try to get him. That's interesting. So this is, I think the Nets need to, need to get up. You know, that we, last year we had like a few blowout playoff games and the Nets have, the Celtics have blown some people out and the Nets can never hold on to a lead when the Nets were up 20 points the other day. Because their defense sucks. They, they, so, they're bad on defense, like legitimately. So I wanted the Nets to have a big lead. This is what I want. The Nets to have a big lead and then get Ben five random minutes. Mm. And the reason why I think they're going to do that is when Ben went to Philadelphia to sit on the bench, I thought it was very smart because he didn't go on all the road trips. And I think, I think the Nets were in Boston um, the game before and he didn't go to Boston. But there was a decision made between Ben's camp or the Sixers or, or excuse me, the Nets or Nets. whoever. We're like, hey, man, you're going to have to, let's just dip your toe into this. Yeah. Just sit on the bench. Just sit there. And, and we were yeah. going to have to do it eventually. And I thought it was a smart kind of ramp up. But again, you know, I don't think throwing him in the cauldron of the playoffs is, is, the, is their plan. So you I, can't I, throw I'll, him into a road game. It's got to be like game three or game four in Brooklyn if he comes home, back. I still don't think he's going to come 20. back, though. Yeah. I think it'd be good for him just to come. If they're up big, here comes Ben. He kind of looks like 
you know when Tom Cruise goes, what's that wax museum? Where like they, Madame, it's like Madame Tom Tussauds. Yeah, and it's like Tom Cruise met his wax dummy of Tom Cruise and look exactly like, and it's got the frozen Tom Cruise smile and then Tom Cruise stands by it and takes pictures. That's kind of what Ben Simmons looked like in that green outfit two days ago. Like he's just there. He was frozen with this look on his face. Great I don't know. I would be, I would be uh, very cautious. The Time Lord thing is different because I think he had the best version of that surgery. I think the, one of the reasons they wanted to play Brooklyn, other than they just think they're better, is that they thought he might be coming back. And as you said, they have a really big sample size now. This is a like 15-week sample size of the Celtics like taking huge leads in the first half on teams, of being really, really elite defensively, of Tatum, who I think is going to make first-team All-NBA, it looks like. Um, it's not like they don't have good players. So Do you I have think that. The- oh, I was going to say, I like, uh, I think the Minnesota-Memphis series goes six or seven. I like that series. I just think so it, I. I think it's going to be a back and forth, just really young, athletic, fun to watch. Six or seven on FanDuel is plus 106. Boston, Brooklyn going six or seven is minus 192. You can parlay, parlay those together for plus 213. And then uh, I like Golden State in five for plus 290 as a flyer. Those are my faves. Golden we'll State. see. Um, what, you, what, was it, what was your Toronto-Philly thing? That was, feels like the biggest upset that you just kind of like, oh, I got Toronto over Philly. Well, they're well, plus 154. Kind of yeah, plus 154, which isn't that big of an upset. But I think like, if you go Raps and six plus 490, you'd think if they're down three, Philly's down 3-2, no tieball for game six. You're in Toronto and you have mm-hmm. Harden whose legacy of no, do or die games is game. probably the worst in the league. Let's no, just MB- give Embiid 37. Give Embiid 37 a game in this series. I still think Toronto can beat them. It's going to be Harden. They need Harden in the series. I trust him the least of any good player we've had the last 10 years. Giving, I think that is a brilliant strategy of, hey, let, let's, let's give Embiid, let's pencil Embiid in for 45 and let's not let Harden get anything and watch him just self-destruct. We saw Pop Pop did this with Nash in 2005. He was like, Nash, knock yourself out, man. You can 35, 40 a game. Good. Go for it. Nobody else is, we're, we're staying home on everybody else. You get yours. And, and Nash talked about, we talked about on my podcast. It like fucked with his head. Cause that he wanted to get people involved. Cause then Embiid would start forth like, Oh, Harden, you get, you know, Embiid's a nice guy and wants, you know, everybody to eat. That'd be, that well, would be and interesting. The other thing with Embiid, he's, and he was in good condition this year, and I thought he finished games better than he has at any other point in his career. But these playoff games are also, they're really intense. They, they feel like a game and a half and the kind of burden he's going to have in a series like this. You know, they don't have, if Harden doesn't get going, they don't have that kind of random heat check guy other than Maxi. So, I know. The question for me is, are they just going to, are they going to let Maxi drive the car or is it going to be like a James yeah. Harden? Did you see Jalen had one of the best bits I've seen in a while from him? Oh, the, he said, the concert thing? Yeah, Harden's, yeah, Harden's box scores look like concerts. <laughs> three, three for 14, four for 12. <laughs> you just let all of them up. I thought that was uh, great. All right, let's do, uh, let's do a half-baked idea. Oh, wow. Unless you have a, do you have a round one pick you want to throw at us? Anything? No, I think yours are all... Nothing you're fired up about? Give me one. You like Brooklyn, don't you? I can see it in your eyes. 
I want to like the Celtics, but if Ben comes back, I'm going to root for Ben. I'm going to root for Ben just because I feel like Ben doesn't have enough people. I feel like Ben doesn't have enough fans. I'm like, I'll be your fan, buddy. I'm rooting for you. I just, I, I like the Celtics, but no. This is interesting. So you feel like there's an inefficiency for the Ben Simmons fans. Just who's riding for Ben? Who, who is just like, Ben Simmons is my guy. You never made a mistake. You've never been like, felt, you know, pressure and, and haven't been able to, to meet the expectations. Everybody has felt that like, well, he's trying to get his money back. Like, yeah, you know what? It's worth an email. Hey, can I have my $19 million? Right. <laughs> I, I, I do not hold Ben like, like, oh, you know, if I was in the, I would play. If I couldn't play, I would, I would let the Sixers keep the money. I wouldn't, I would send a few emails. Hey, here's a PDF. <laughs> I, I would let it play out a little bit for $19 yeah. million. Oh, you know, in my day, you'd have to go to work. Yeah, I get it. But it's, you know, it's worth a few texts. It's worth hiring a lawyer to say, yeah, I'd like to get the money. Meanwhile, he could have faked, he could have faked a, a, a back injury the entire time and got his money. So there's an element of honesty to, the, to, to, the, to being transparent about his mental health that I think should be applauded. Wow. I got fired up about Ben. On a sale, we'll take. I was excited because I felt like my son was in the driver's seat in the Ben Simmons versus Ben Simmons. A lot of stuff going for him. Got to the <laughs> high school he wanted to get into. He's going to play football next year. There and then Sixer, uh, Nets Ben Simmons, now he's on the comeback trail. My dumbass Ben Simmons, who keeps skateboarding, even though we tell him not to skateboard, um, does the hairline fracture of his ankle because he cracked it on a skateboard. Come He's on. out four weeks, misses eighth grade baseball season, missed this whole last two rounds of a 77 football thing that he was in and now has retired from skateboarding. Wow. But it's you like you have, the, you have your kids and you're just like, this now this turned into parent corner. Your kids, you're like, hey, don't do that. You're going to get hurt. And they're like, I know better than you. I'm 14. I know better. Don't tell me. And then it's like, oh, now you're in a cast for four weeks, you dumbass. Go, go skate in the metaverse. That's what I tell my kids. I say, hey, right. you, 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 you want to play, uh, you know, skateboard? Get in the metaverse. Put, that's, put on the your first, Oculus. that's the first good go case skate. I've heard for the metaverse. <laughs> the metaverse is the worst. The metaverse. You can't get metaverse. hurt. <laughs> you can't get hurt. <laughs> your kids are safe in the metaverse other than the psychological <laughs> oh, damage. <my. laughs> God, I'm the metaverse. All right, let's uh, hear two great half-baked ideas and we'll wrap. Oh my gosh, my best half-baked idea. Okay, I was still, I'll, I'll, I'll start with a sports one and I'll end with my other business. I'm going to start. This is a business though. Uh, it's called, uh, um, you know, the media is so fractured right now. We've got podcasts and TV yeah. shows. It's not like the olden days where you could just rip the back page of the newspaper and, and stick it to a bulletin board. And there you got your bulletin board material. Used to be easy. The head coach could do that. You could coach the team and provide the bulletin board material. But now that the way the media is, who's got time for it? Certainly you don't if you're trying to coach a team. Right. That's why you call me and my new business, Bulletin Board Material Inc. I, you call me as they're like, oh man, you know, we need to get fired up for this game. Is there any bulletin board material out, Kevin? Like, good, good question. I will comb the sports universe and find sort of the hotter takes, and I will mail you a, a fully completed bulletin board that you can put up in the locker room. So we have three. So is levels. this are these media takes or like because there's a player a take where Bruce Brown had that thing about they don't have Rob Williams 
That's we exactly can go right. at Tyson Horford and say, ah, put that on the bulletin board. But, but I didn't know if that made it. So that's Earl. But, but then Kevin Durant tried to fuse it. That right. He pulled it off the bulletin board. But he doesn't have, he's, he, you know, he, he's not a client or right. he's not allowed to put, so I keep it on the bulletin board. I got three levels. I got trash talk. This is just in general, regular season game. If you need some bulletin board material, just trash talk from the media, from other players. You know, I got to go through Draymond's entire podcast, see if there's anything I can put on the bulletin board. Uh, level two, no one believes in us. Classic bulletin board material. You know, they can't play defense, this and that. And then this one, you have to sign another waiver. It's inflammatory rhetoric. And now we cannot be held accountable if you order the inflammatory rhetoric billboard excuse me, bulletin board, and, you know, your quarterback melts down and throws and throws three interceptions. Or if James Harden goes, you know, one for 15 and, and 0 for 10 from three and with a bunch of turnovers, and he sets a turnover record again. That that one is dangerous. It's almost like hot ones where I, I you know, just a little <laughs> bit of inflammatory rhetoric. I, yeah. Do, so that, that's bulletin board material. I like that's hot ones. <laughs> it's like hot, yeah. It's like, hey, be careful, just a dab. That's a, you just need a little bit of inflammatory rhetoric. So Quinn Snyder calls you. Yeah. And it's like, hey, man, I'm worried about my team. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't feel like we're locked in enough. I don't think, feel like the guys are aggro, agitated enough. So you're like, hold yeah, on, Quinn, I got you. I'm going to go through. I have a list of all the people who didn't pick Rudy for defensive player of the year, first team all defense, and some yep. of the most inflammatory things that said about him. Yeah, well, not too much because I don't want to throw him off. I don't have that like, hey, Donovan's only passed the ball to Rudy Gobert, you know, four times in 10 years. Or I don't want to do that because then Donovan will start forcing the ball on the block. So I got to be very so something. Careful. So it's got to be like somebody on a TV show doing the, you can't win with Donovan Mitchell. Exactly. Very yeah, like yeah. generic, big picture. I like this. Can I tell you, like that literally happened. Remember, remember on Turner, uh, Donovan was regular season last year. And yeah. whether it was Shaq or Barkley, it's like, ah, you're not a superstar. I don't think it is. And he's like, okay. And he responded, he started scoring 50 right. points in the bubble. Well, so Embiid, that, that was a better one when they all called out Embiid. And Embiid, it was like a spiritual awakening for him for whatever reason. It works. Like, they, these guys hurt my feelings. All right, what's your next one? So this is not sports-related, but it's probably worth a billion dollars if anybody wants to jump on it. It's called Fitz Furniture. It's a furniture company. Now, is it the best quality furniture it isn't. Um, is it the most stylish furniture in the world? It's not. Um, does it fit through the doorway? You're damn right it does. This furniture fits through doorways. It fits up the stairs. You got a landing on your stairs. You can flip that couch in there. It goes right up. That's the only thing we're trying to do. It fits and it it's light. Why are you making, you're making furniture out there like an art project with no bearing? No bearing on how a standard door is. Buy a chair. I don't know if it's going to fit. Need David Blaine to come over and get it in. Not with Fitz Furniture. It all fits. It's comfortable enough. And it's light. So when you need to move it, it's nice and easy. It saves your marriage. It totally fits. That's it. Fitz Furniture. That's, that's a billion dollar idea. <laughs> that sounds like a New York City idea. It's an idea. Everywhere else in the world, we could just put stuff through doors or windows. You're putting a couch, you, you can get a couch into your basement. It is no true. Problem. That couch, couches should be able to fit through doors. We should yeah. work on that. The, All the, right, I'm the, with it, you. Fits furniture. Right, give me one more before we go. Oh, I got the silver bullet beer of the month. Want to hear that one? Yeah. So my, my mother-in-law got me a 
beer of the month club. I said, oh, thank you. And so I get, I get uh, 12 beers from around America. And uh, it comes with the recipes that might go well with the beer and a, and a, a, little, a little profile of the brewmaster and their inspiration. It's like almost, and I get a poem. It's beautiful. So I do this exact thing. And then I get all the beers. They buy them in bulk. I open up the beers and I dump them in the drain because they're undrinkable. Trying to drink oatmeal beer, peanut butter beer, agave beer. I don't want it. And I fill it up with Coors. I fill it up with Coors Light. I recap it and then I mail it to you. So you still get this whole artisanal story. You can feel like you're special and you're, you know, participating in, in, in the <laughs> renaissance of American brewery and, you know, and oh, when we made things, but you get to drink delicious Coors Light and, and nothing that has, you know, a, a strawberry. Or, or even Miller Light. I, I have a deal with, it's called the Silver Bullet Beer of the Month Club, but I could do right, Miller fair. Light. That's another No, that's option. fair. Whatever. Whatever beer you like. So it's you basically can like. request the beer you oh, like. Yeah. But, but I give the you bottle's a, much fancier. It's so oh, funny yeah, you mentioned this. because design is great. I bought, because now you can be, buy beer, right? They just deliver it. So yeah. I was like going, and I bought this one, I don't know, it was like, because I thought like, oh, somebody will like this, like these special uh, flavored ones. Oh, get, yeah, it's got a guess what, guess what wasn't touched in the fridge? <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Of even, course. Oh. even nephew Kyle won't drink those. It's there was terrible. like, there's been like six pumpkin ale things in my fridge for like three and a half years. Even nephew Kyle just eyes them and is like, eh, I'm good. I'll come over and drink the pumpkin. Pumpkin ale, it's got to be under 50 degrees though. Pumpkin ale, pumpkin ale, Halloween. I'll, I'll Cold drink pumpkin, pumpkin ale. ale. Okay. Oof, it's great. All right. You can hear Wilds on First Things First and watch him too because it's a television show. Um, yeah, both. Good to see you as always. Good to see you, buddy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLoobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, Eddie Johnson is here. He's going to yell at me about Devin Booker 
being fourth <laughs> on my MVP ballot. But uh, I love his show on uh, Sirius NBA channel with Justin Termini, who's also been on this podcast. I'm finally excited for you that you get to be the real host after toiling away with Justin. Like, I'm sure this is like a thrill for you just to be with me for a half hour. It totally is. My heartbeat is just normal. <laughs> uh, you know, seriously. Like, I have to get myself ramped up. I saw my doctor a couple of weeks ago. He was, you know, he prescribed some stuff for me to stay calm. Because <laughs> five days a week with Justin, it's just starting to hurt your blood? Well, you know what? Look, he has, he has nothing else to do. Yeah. So he plans his whole day to try to get under the skin of people. Like you and I, we have so many other things in our lives. We're doing so many things. We don't have time to even think of, I don't have time to think about him once the show is over, even before the show. But yeah. He's thinking about me 24 7. Right. And You're in his head. To, yeah. He's trying to find a way to get under my skin. That's what he does. Well, it's a great show. I've randomly been in my car and I've just called in unannounced to argue because you guys got me fired up about something. <laughs> uh, you're in Phoenix. You do a good job on the games too. It's funny. You, you, uh, you, the, the color guys on the different teams, right? Uh, Sometimes it'll be a little cheerleader. You have the nice, you have a nice mix. Like obviously you're rooting for the Suns at your team, but you're, you're also, you'll be critical. You've been on this Devin Booker MVP bandwagon thing mm -hmm. for a long time. I had him fourth. I really, I appreciated how special that Suns team uh -huh. was really, uh, you were one of the first people I heard talking about it. Like, hey, it's not just that they're beating teams. They're toying with them. Uh -huh. They are laying on these 20 to five runs and these 25 to three runs and stuff like that. Uh, when do you think it shifted for Booker this season? I, I think it really shifted for him, to be quite honest, Bill, uh, when Ricky Rubio came. Hmm. Uh, and, and Ricky Rubio, I think, taught him to trust him that he didn't always have to have the ball. It's almost similar to what Phil Jackson did with, with Michael Jordan, with Scottie Pippen. And I think, you know, Ricky Rubio and Monty convinced him that it doesn't matter, you know, how many touches you get. The touches that you do get are going to be tremendous, and your scoring average is going to be good, and you're going to win games. And I think Devin bought into it because he was tired of losing. Mm. Uh, he knew he could score on anybody, and he just said, okay, I'm going to give that a shot. Matter of fact, he told Monty, I want to be coached. That's what, that was his exact words to Monty when Monty took the job. He said, I want to be coached, and that's what he's done. And, and Devin has, has adhered to it, and it's turned out to be a tremendous run for him. And I think that's when it turned around. And then Chris Paul just took it to a new level. Well, that's the thing. You talk about young players, right? So he gets Rubio in there, who's unselfish, is a vet. Gets Monty Williams, who easily could have gone to the Lakers. And boy, would he be miserable right now. <laughs> and, and then you get Chris Paul, who's one of the great unselfish teammates of his generation. Yeah. A little difficult to play with if you're the wrong guy. I think for Booker, he just wants to play with people who are wired like Chris Paul. Booker is. So he gets these three people. What happens if he doesn't meet any of these people? What happens if he's just on Phoenix and let's say they're the Sacramento Kings with what's happened with them, where they're just they're bringing more lottery picks in. It never works. The coach keeps changing. The GM keeps changing. And Booker's just basically the deer and fox in this situation. Does he still have an ascent? What does it look like? I think he probably would have been gone. Mm. And, and, and that's with any player, right? I mean, if, if they find that things aren't going to work out, you know, and they don't think, you know, they're going to be able to get guys in there to help raise them to a new level. They start thinking about leaving that particular team. And that was my fear. Yeah. Uh, because I know how good he is. From the, from the first moment he put a son's uniform on, 
And Jeff Hornacek was like trying to delay the inevitable, him starting and him being the guy. You can just tell in the few minutes that he got that this kid is going to be special. And, yeah. and so this organization needed Chris Paul, Bill. They needed Chris Paul to just balance Devin and show him the other side of success and not chasing it just based on your numbers. And it's taking him to a great level. It's funny when you know early with the young guys, because Tatum was like that for the Celtics. It just became clear pretty quickly, like, oh, yeah. this one, this one's actually like there's something special about him. What's interesting about Booker, I did a bunch of pods with Durant. Uh, I did, probably did six in two years with him. And one of them, he started raving about Booker. And Booker was a nobody at that point. I mean, he was a lottery pick. He was on the Suns, but they, you know, the team stunk. Right. And and I think I asked him something like, What what young players on your radar who do you think might have it? Who who might who might have it under the and he was like Booker and and he went on this thing. You were an exporter. You played for 19 years. You were born too soon. The three-point line would have made you probably an extra hundred million bucks. Um, but did you see do, do you feel like the guys who played, they see something, there's some sort of DNA thing that they can spot that somebody like me couldn't spot? Yeah, you know what you see, Bill, is you see a calm. You see like a guy that understands the science of what his craft really is in, in regards to dissecting this game, and that's the score. Mm. He is always on balance. That's one of the first things that I saw with him, uh, that he's always on balance. Uh, he, he, and he rarely takes really bad shots. Like, you know, if you're a scorer, you're going to take bad shots. But if you watch Devin, he rarely does. But what also makes him unique, and you agree with this, if, because I know you remember watching Ricky Pierce play. Oh, yeah. Is, is Ricky Pierce loved to have contact when he shot. It was just something about a guy very close to you when you took your shot. Mm. And that's Devin. I mean, it's like it forces him maybe concentrate more. That's why he probably gets into it. But when I saw that and then just the way that he approached the game and how respectful he was of the game. Like a lot of guys aren't respectful of the game. They don't know the history. They don't respect the players that they watched growing up. You know, and Devin has been all of that. He's been, I mean, he's been in my ear since he's been in Phoenix. And that's the value of where he is now. You know, and obviously Kobe took it to a new level when Kobe befriended him. Yeah. And he is just professional, man. He is one of the most professional players I've ever seen. And that's why he's successful. I love your contact point. There's a, like Vinny Johnson was like that too. He needed mm -hmm. to have somebody like basically in his jersey. And that would, when he, when he would really get going. There's certain mm -hmm. guys that just, they feed off that. Um, I think it's something Tatum is learning how that's, that's one of the ways I think he's gotten better this year is beating guys off the dribble and kind of keeping them on his side and knowing how to use that kind of stuff against him. The Kobe thing with Booker, you know, they were, they're beating into the ground during the playoffs last year. Um, you know, he's, he's not Kobe, but I think out of all the guys we have now, I think there's the most kind of Kobe chromosomes floating in his pool. Right. They're, they're, he does stuff. First of all, the, the, as you said, like the competitiveness and the commitment to the craft and things like that. Um, the fact that he doesn't take terrible shots. Kobe went through that stage, younger Kobe, when he did take terrible right. shots. Right. That got better as he got older. What, what are the other similarities? What about like from an alpha dog hanging out in a room standpoint? What is that like? Well, yeah, I mean, he is a, a loner, so to speak, but this team is very close. Yeah. And so he's opened up now because of that. 
Uh, but I'll just give you something else. He he well, he is relentless, talks a lot of smack, which mm. I love. I was a smack talker. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that was your he, era. Yeah, it keeps it keeps guys off balance. Love it. But also what I love about him is he un- like I said, he understands now how to lead. Yeah. Like, you know, he these guys are always over his house. He's always in the middle of them, in the midst of them. And now he understands that now that he said eight positive things to them, that it's okay for him to say some negative things. He just understands and, and, and give credit to, I think, to his upbringing, how his dad raised him as a basketball player. And I think that plays a, a role in it as well. Uh, he, he's special, Bill. And I'm going to say this. And, that's, this. and so people understand why I'm pushing him. Because he is special. He, he's going to be better. And I think people are having a hard time with it because, you know, he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and that's the average height in the league. We've seen guys come in the league and they can score and all of that. He has another level to get to. He truly does. And he showed it when Chris Paul went down. Yeah. Every seven assists. Like, people don't think he can pass. He can pass the ball. He can operate in the two-man game. It is a level he can get to that people have not seen. Yeah, and even beyond the assists, what impressed me about that stretch was he was kind of game managing. Uh-huh. You know, it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm now going to dribble the ball up and I'll throw you the ball. But he actually, and Tatum, it's something he developed too this year, this ability to yes. kind of see what the defense is doing. Like, they're going to play probably Brooklyn in round one and Brooklyn's just going to trap the shit out of him from 40 mm-hmm. feet, right? And mm-hmm. I think he's going to be able to solve that as the series goes along because his hoops IQ has just gotten better and better. I see the same yeah. with Booker. His handle, Tatum's yeah. handle has gotten so much better. His feel for the game has gotten better. I'm so, like, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. He knows he doesn't have to, see, now he knows he doesn't have to take 25 shots. Right. Like, I try to tell these young guys, and this is a guy that played a role. I started my first four years, but after that, I, I came off the bench and I made a living at it. And like I tell these young guys, man, it's a science to scoring. You don't have to rush it. If you get the minutes, you will get your numbers. Right. I mean, that's just the beauty of it. And an all-time greats figure that out. You can go to any all-time great that will score. You will see. If he gets 30 minutes, he's going to get his average because he understands how to do it. Well, Ice was the best example of that ever. Mm-hmm. Ice would just... And back then when you went to see Ice in person, they didn't have the scoreboard with the points. So then they would say the points at the end and you watch the whole, you'd watch the whole Spurs game. You'd be there in the building and they'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And George Gervin had 43. I'd be like, George Gervin had 43? <laughs> I thought <laughs> he had like 24. And it was Easy. like, no, nope. he had like 10 points a quarter. And then in the third quarter, he had 13. And that's how he got to 43. It was like, I was there. I didn't even notice it. My first encounter with him uh, yeah. as a young player, uh, I had it rolling in the game, and obviously he's getting his numbers. And obviously my game is using screens and, and using my teammates to get open. And I ran him off a screen. And Josie Merriweather, and, and Josie's gone now, Mr. Mm. Uh laid a screen on him and got him good. And I came off hitting jumper. And I remember going back down, he was looking at me. He said, a young fella. I'm like, yeah, Mr. Gervin. They're <laughs> 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 like doing the game, right? I mean, like, I'm so respectful of all these old-time guys that I watch. He's like, look, listen. Look, man, look, 
trust me, when the game is over, I'm going to probably be plus 10 on you. So just let me know when I'm going to get picked, man. I'm good. (laughs) 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 I was like, what? Let me know. Yeah, I don't need to get hit that hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably like a big threat. I could be plus 25 on you if I really wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I walked away from that game, man. I was cracking up, man. Every time I see him, I hug him. <laughs> I remind him of it. Uh, he like, come on, young fella. <laughs> do you do you take it personally? Like, because you're around the team, obviously, as a broadcaster, when these guys, like if somebody like Booker, who sounds like he's a pretty curious kid, um, that they don't lean on you and get in your ear and ask you for stories and just kind of tap into you as like the Yoda of the team, basically? I tell them, it's, I, I just, to myself, I say, it's, it's your loss. That's mm. just how I view it. Like, you know, I'm not going to be overbearing on anybody. If they if they knock on my door, they ring my phone, I'll talk their ear off. And I'll break things down. And I've had yeah. a lot of players in the past that have done that. And, you know, there's, there's certain players, man, that I might go by because I feel sorry for them, that I see them struggling, and I might say something. And if they embrace what I say, then I'll keep going. If they don't, I'll just move on. I'm, I'm not going to force feed anybody. You know, you shouldn't be immersed in your struggles if it's something simple you can get out of. And there's a lot of players that I see that's immersed in simple struggles that really with a good ear and, and, and a good voice just to go up to them that – that ran that road and went that marathon and tell them that can get them on stride, you know, they should be embraced it. But a lot of them don't. They rather embrace this workout guy that, you know, they met when they were in middle school. Right. And, you know, he's hanging on and, you know, they're paying him a ton of money and he's teaching them these weird drills and, and they think that's the key. And it's really right. simple. What would you, so let's say, let's say you see Ben Simmons. Let's say it's a Philly, I'm sorry, a Brooklyn, uh, Phoenix Finals and Ben Simmons has not played the whole year and you just end up sitting next to him at a restaurant and he's like, hey, I, I, you played it. You mm-hmm. just start talking and he's like, what do, you, what do you think? How can I get better? What would you tell him? Well, first I would tell him you're on the right team, man, because we know you don't love to score. Like, you score because it's a necessity and you're there and you're in that situation. But really what you love to do is defend and pass the ball. We get it. Okay? But you got to still go to your sweet spots and just do damage. And people won't bother you. Mm. Like, they won't, they won't, like, you won't stand out. Like, get your foot in the paint, like he did when Joel went down last year and he dropped 42 on, on, on Gobert, right? Yeah. That's where his sweet spots are. So, if you want to get to your sweet spots, then what you got to do, what? Rebound the ball yourself, push it. Two, beat Joel or beat, I mean, beat KD down the court and plant yourself in there and force him to throw it to you. But don't be selfish in doing it. I mean, that's how you get fans off of you. Like, right. they'll tend to forget. And he doesn't understand that. He doesn't know that. He's locked in. Oh, oh I passed up a jump. I passed up a jump. When really, in essence, fans don't really care. They want to see a ball go through the hoop. However you can get it done. And that's his struggle right now. It's just between his ears, man. And, and But he's on the right team, Bill, because he doesn't have to shoot. Because he got Kyrie and KD going to do all the shooting. <laughs> so right. he can hide in the midst of those guys. And then Patty Mills on one side. You got Steph Curry on another side. He is in the best position he could be in as a basketball player. Fear of failure. An underrated uh, NBA skill or 
detriment, depending on which side of it you're on. But he definitely, I think once you're afraid to fail, like I like they're talking about, oh, he might be back for the for the Cel- for the Celtics series if they play Celtics. We're taping this before the playing game. Yeah, I'm like that would be insane to bring him back. Guess what the Celtics would do? They would foul him the moment he comes in and try to put him on the line and try to get in his head. He's not gonna be ready to do that. He hasn't even played full contact basketball yet. So that AU mentality just drives me nuts, and that's why I say the Brooklyn's not gonna win. Are they talent? Talented, of course they are. But to me, if they win, it's a hit on basketball because Mm. it's gonna tell young kids that they can take time off. You know, they can just play half the games like Kyrie, you know, and they can come and win a championship. That, to me, that would be the worst thing to happen. And I haven't seen it since I've been at the game at a high level, and I don't plan on seeing it. I just cannot see them being able to do it. And adding Ben Simmons without practice time, without a knowledge of all the teammates, and to think that's going to blend in and lead you to win 16 games in the second season, not buying. I wonder if all the stuff that's happened the last couple of years is going to make teams a little more hesitant to turn their entire franchises over to like one or two guys or an agency or both, you know, because you think Clippers had bad luck, right? But at the same time, they traded away an entire decade of stuff for these two guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if they're, they're healthy, maybe it's a different conversation, but we're year three, it's not. The Lakers, they got the titles in the bubble, but now they're in an absolute quagmire. But then you have the Philly situation, the Brooklyn situation. Um, you have the what Houston did every year where they're trying to make Harden happy. Right. And I'm starting to wonder if, you know, I think teams gravitate to whatever the model is that works. Mm-hmm. And yep. they're going to look at Boston and Phoenix and Memphis and Milwaukee as these models of like, we have the star, we have stability, we have consistency, we have guys that have been together for three, four, five, six years in some mm-hmm. cases. Like in Boston's case, the best three guys in the team have been playing together since 2016, 17. Right. You know, and that, at some right. point that matters, as you know, because you were on a bunch of different teams. The teams that were probably the best teams you were on were the teams that at least stayed together a little bit. So maybe that comes back. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, and look, I, I hear you. And and I think what's what's been lost in translation over the years is communication. It's like just because you're paying a guy a lot of money, he's going to be okay. He won't leave. Mm. He won't take less. That is not true. Like, you, lo- if you love the game of basketball, the only thing that makes you happy is playing the game of basketball. And playing it at a high level, and if you have expectations on you, you want to make sure you live up to those expectations. And so it's upon the team to communicate with these guys and make yep. sure that you keep them right. Like, we're going to work with this, man. We're going to get this right. you got to be patient with us. And, and kind of give them some ownership. I think sometimes teams just take it for granted and they lose that player. And all of a sudden now they're trying to grab them back. I.E. Ben Simmons. They they heard those fans moaning and groaning all the time. I mean, with somebody in his ear to just really help him, forget about the fact getting on him that he's not shooting. But you say, Ben, what's going on, man? What can we do to help you? Just constantly to show him the love. And then those comments from Doc and Joel Embiid, they wouldn't hurt as much as they did. Right. But you can tell, based on his reaction to what they said, told me that his relationship was not at a high level with those two guys. 
Well, plus they tried to trade. They tried to trade him though too, and I think that yes. was the biggest piece of it. That it was like, oh no, no, we actually do like you. We just like let's forget about the part when we were ninety percent down the road to trading you. Yes. But no, no, we're really glad you're here. Um, yeah, I wonder like. You know, and I'm sure you're around it way more than I am now, but the phones and the whole concept of a team in some cases where in your era in the 80s, you guys were together all the time. You're flying, you're, I mean, you didn't even have charters back then. And you spent an incredible amount of time together. You really got a feel for each other in a lot of different ways. And that eventually shifted over the next 40 years. But it does mm -hmm. feel like every every generation in the NBA had their one thing that was like the big obstacle, right? Yours had the cocaine era. It was like all, it, right. it, it either ruined or, you know, tarnished or set back a lot of guys from the a 80s. Lot of, a lot of guys. And then the 90s was money and these contracts that people were getting when they were 19 and 20 that they couldn't handle mm -hmm. it. And then we mm -hmm. move into like this generation and it's, it's the social media and it's being on the phones all the time. Even the commissioners talked about it, like really being worried about you know, the state of mind of his players and the connection that they have to each other. And, you know, that's why I've watched a team like Phoenix or like what Boston has now. And you're like, man, this is it. This is what it should look like. Yeah. It, you know what? It's they do like focus. Bill. Uh, they truly do like focus. Uh, and the reason why they like focus is because they got so much going on. Yeah. Like, when I came up, man, I didn't have anything. Going on, I mean, yeah, the mobile phone was this heavy. You don't want to carry that daggone thing around all the time. I mean, it's like, you know, we didn't have cable to a high level. We were watching all these shows. We didn't have apps. You know, we weren't able to navigate computers. They Twitter. so much info in front of them that they don't know how to balance it all. And then and throw in looking good, you know, with the jewelry and, you know. Yeah. And decorating the body and, and wearing the clothes. I mean, there's so much in place for them now that it's very difficult at times. And that's why the ones that you do see navigated, you look at them and you appreciate them. But yeah, the challenge is to continually communicate with these young kids, man. Let them know that, man, your career is is really short. Yeah. Like, just because you came into the league at 18 does not mean you're going to play longer. Once you start running that that marathon, you don't know when your body's going to break down. Like, I'm looking at James Harden right now. People are like, he's not playing well. I'm telling people, no, his body is failing him. He's 32, but he, he's, his body is probably 38. Yes. Because of how he handled himself. And that's, that's on him. That's his personal preference. He's had a tremendous career. He's an unbelievable player. But you look back in the past, I mean, you look at the Isaiah Thomas in the world, 13 years, Magic Johnson, you know, everybody in their low teams, you know. And, and so these guys think they're going to play long, and it's not always the case. And and people have to communicate that to them and, and, and get them on course to say, if you want a title, then, man, you got to hurry up and go get it because it's not guaranteed to you. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was talking to a Celtics buddy of mine the other day about the the time the Celtics almost traded for Iverson. And it was, I think, a year before the KG trade. And at one point, it seemed like it was going to happen, where it was like Al Jefferson, whatever contract, two first-round picks, and the Celtics were really mm -hmm. pushing it. They ended up sending him to Denver. And he had probably two more years in Denver than Denver flipped him. And all of a sudden, his career was over. And yeah. you think like, man, what a what-if for the Celtics where 
the door B was Kevin Garnett. And then this great five-year run they had, they only won one title, but door A was Iverson, who at the time, I would have been super excited. Like, oh my God, we got Allen Iverson. He averages 30 points a game. But going to what you said, like, was not a guy that took care of himself. And no, I do, we don't, we don't know what Harden does at night, but he looks different. He looks slower. His game has changed. I mean, we have a general idea of what he does at night. Can't but, get around uh, people. Can't get around people. Can't move laterally. That happens when you get older, but you can fight it off if you do the necessary things to stay in front of. Right. And, and that's what I'm seeing with him right now. Yeah. And we've seen other guys like LeBron's year 19 <laughs> and has figured out how to, you know, now he missed Chris Paul as well. Chris Paul. Chris Paul, who stopped eating meat. Was he plant? Yeah. Plant-based, no sugar, no meat, and yeah, became yeah. a different guy, which I'm, I'm sure Houston wishes they had, uh, <laughs> that he had told him that he was going to do all that. What made you play so long? I mean, you're like a complete anomaly. It was like you and Parrish yeah. and Kareem. You played what, 18 years, something? 18 I or 19 18, years? I, I yeah, 18, 18 years. years. I played, yeah, I played 17 NBA and 18 total. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, played one year in Europe. Yeah, but I, that was know, an era was when thinking. people didn't do that, though. They didn't do that. And I will say this one, I'm blessed. My mom's 92 years old. She looks like she's 60. Okay. Mm. So I'm not going to own all of it. But I think for me, I paid attention, Bill, to my life as I grew up. And I just took a point to say, I'm not going to be like him. I'm not going to be like him. And those hymns weren't friends of mine, they were my brothers. And, and so, and they would remind me, don't be like me. Yeah. And, and so I took that to heart, man. And, and I knew I was the, like, I was next to the last in line to make it right for my mom who raised seven kids by herself. And so I knew that it was on me when it became my time. And back then, you know, I mean, my first year in the NBA, I made $65,000. I almost made more money on my shoe contract with Pony than I did with my salary. And, and I said, I got to play a long time. And I just, man, I just took care of myself. That was it. I mean, I talked to people. I learned from people. I stayed away from people that were doing the wrong things. As you mentioned, that era was kind of drug infested. I never put a drug in my body. Uh, and so those are the things I went for. And lo and behold, I was able to play that long. So it's no surprise to me how it lasted that long because I thought I did all the correct things to do it. And I had a lot of ex-teammates, a lot of friends. They'll come up to me and they'll say, man, I should have hung with you more. You know, I, I, I should have listened to you, you know, because they knew. they, shut, they Their careers got cut short because they did not adhere to detail. Justin Termini would say your career lasted that long because you didn't guard anybody. That too. Yeah, you know, I was very selective. I, I, like I said, I met George Gervin very young. It's like, you know, I'm not going in that paint unless it's it's an opportunity for me to score. And and, and the great Buck Williams made that known to me. And right. I love Buck to death. He's a great friend. He and his wife Mimi are great. But Buck laid me out one time, man, in the lane. I was in Seattle playing against Portland, and I I thought I got hit by a truck. Mm. And he just looked at me. He said. I like you, but just don't come in here, man. Yeah, this is this is not the place for you. Yeah, don't don't venture down this road here. No. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> well, for the people listening, Eddie Eddie's career started so long ago that it started in Kansas City, and yeah. you played what four years in Kansas City. Yeah, and most people listen to this are like, wait, wait, yeah. Kansas City had a team. Yeah, Kansas City had a team. They're now the, the Sacramento team. Kings. 
Yeah, has, has, has some tremendous players on that team. Reggie Theus is on that team. Mike Woodson, uh, Larry Drew, LaSalle Thompson, the great Sam Lacey, Phil Ford uh, was one of my mentors when I first got in. Uh, I mean, he was good. He just got hurt. Phil Ford, yeah. I think, would have been in that Norm Nixon, Gus Williams, Tiny Archibald kind uh-huh. of that sphere. He would have been. He just couldn't stay healthy. I, but let me tell you a quick story with Phil Ford. And I will mention Ernie Grunfeld's on that team as yeah. well, uh, Reggie King. But quick story with Phil Ford. We're playing a preseason game. Cotton Fitzsimmons is the coach. And I'm a rookie. You know, I'm just just quiet, not saying nothing. And we're playing an exhibition game. And Phil had it going. Like, and, and, and I was, like, in shock because I was like, man, I heard NBA players didn't play hard during the exhibition. Mm. which is a huge myth, right? And so he was just going off. And, and so Cotton called a play to end the game for him. And he missed the shot. And so his locker was next to mine. And we're sitting there. And I'm not kidding you. He was bawling. Like, he was crying. I was like, <laughs> this is the exhibition season. Right. But it was so impactful for me. It was like, Here's this grown man I watched play, North Carolina. I mean, leading that, that four-corner offense. And yeah. it hurt him that bad to miss a shot in a preseason game. Mm. And I was moved by that, man. I, I uh, feel, feels one of my heroes, man, because he balanced me, man. I was like, okay, you need to take everything serious. <laughs> right. Well, you also, that team, I think the 84-85, I have the poster. You did an All the King's Men poster, which is yeah. one of the funniest. Oh, yeah. that, that's one of the best posters ever. <laughs> it's one of the funniest, best, <laughs> coolest. 19. You guys have this giant statue behind you. And Reggie Theus, <laughs> he has his mustache. He looks like uh, the guy from Coming to America. Uh, the other crazy thing about your 80s career is there's another Eddie Johnson yeah. who's one of the biggest F-ups in the league. And when yeah. I was researching my book, there was this whole Sports Illustrated feature about like hit, I mean, when you talk about wheels coming off somebody's career, he's like a nine and a half out of ten. So you're like, you become like the good Eddie Johnson. Yeah. You're like, I'm not that Eddie Johnson. I'm the other Eddie Johnson. But they, I mean, were you aware of this whole other Eddie Johnson situation? Yeah, I mean, I played against him a few years, and I had encounters with him. Uh, and you know, he was always nice to me. Uh, John, he was Drew. good. Oh yeah, John Drew was on that team who just I mean, passed away. Well, yeah, and so I, I truly love like competing against them. And yeah, I mean, here's another guy with my name, but you know, Edward Johnson is one of the most common names on the face of right. the earth. Okay, so my mom threw in Arnett as a middle name, but I'm like, I'm not using Arnett Johnson. That doesn't even sound right to me. So I kept Edward with the Eddie, and yeah, I was on vacation in Hawaii with my family. And uh, I had known of his problems and stuff like that, but never to this level. Yeah. And when I landed back in Phoenix, my phone was blowing up. I just thought, oh, people miss me. You know, so I'm kind of ignoring it. And then Mike Woodson, who's one of my best friends in the entire world, uh, finally got through. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? You don't, you haven't heard? I'm like, nope. He said, well, I'm telling you one thing. You need to get somewhere safe. I'm like, What? So I'm in the car driving, and I turn on the radio, and that guy that's the host of Undisputed, I'm not going to say his name, it's not Shannon Sharp, how about that? Yeah. Uh, and he was going off on me. And 
he was letting me have it. Um, the worst of the worst. Uh, can't believe the Phoenix Suns hired him. How did they not know? Just went crazy on me. Oh, my God. And and so I'm like in the car. I'm like, what? And what happened, my hometown paper, Chicago Tribune, they wrote an article. Well, they saw the story of Eddie Johnson got arrested for child molestation. And so the guy that, the editor at Tribune thought it was me. Even oh, my God. I didn't know this story. Oh, oh my yeah, God. Even, even though he saw Auburn, 6'2", he changed the story. Oh, that's no, that can't be right. Eddie's 6'8". He changed it. Eddie uh, Johnson, University of Illinois, 6'8", was arrested. for yeah, in the Tribune, my hometown paper. Like, no one recognized him. Oh, my God. And so a lot of entities nationwide ran with him. Like, they, like... You know, and they followed it. So I'm all in the paper. My website probably had a million hits in less than two hours. Okay. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was like, so I'm like, okay, I don't carry a weapon, but maybe I need to go get one. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, finally, I think somebody at Fox, they were getting ready to run with a big story on me. Uh, What I heard, picture, everything. And somebody at Fox said, no, that's not Eddie. That's not him. Jesus. Good for Fox that they did not. Because I don't think I'd be working right now. Right. Uh, seriously. But, yeah. So they I did. never knew that story. I only knew the all the cocaine oh, yeah. issues he had in the early 80s and stuff. Oh, I mean, no, man. It came damn. right to me. And, and so, you know, a lot of newspapers had to recant their stories. They had to, you know, rewrite and go through it and all of that. But Wow, that's then, horrible. But then it was all over the world. Yeah. Like, and like if, if I research like Chinese newspapers now or something like that, they still use my pitch when they talk about him. Uh, and so, yeah, that was, it was, uh, you know, they paid a price. Don't, don't get me wrong. I have a nice lawyer. They paid a price. all paid a price. But mm. it wasn't fun going through that. It, you know, it just enhanced that the, the, the difference between he and I. Yeah. And even today, people still make that mistake. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm glad you told that story, though, because I didn't know it. So I I think a lot of people probably found out. Yeah, that I was thinking about that team when, because John Drew passed away this week. When we started Grantland, which was, I think, 2011, Uh um, I had found out, I got this email from a reader, because back when I was writing, Mm -hmm. who was like, I live in Houston. John Drew is my cab driver. Mm-hmm. You remember John? And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. And I was always fascinated by John Drew because if you look at his basketball reference, I mean, he was even more of a heat check guy than you were. He, he, had, he was like 26, 27 a night, some nights playing like 25 minutes a game. And Man. he kind of flamed out and he had a lot of the same yeah. issues from, but anyway, we tried to do a story about him and John Drew wouldn't talk. He's like, I don't like, just please respect my privacy. I don't want to, I'm going to do. And that was what came out this week as well about like the stories yeah. where 30 years he turned down interviews about what happened to him. I didn't even know he passed away. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Cooper passed away two ex NBA player uh, yesterday. Uh, right. I, I didn't even know uh, that John Drew was unreal, man. He was one of the coolest. Dr. J was the coolest basketball player I'd ever seen still to this day. But John Drew was right there. John Drew, I mean, his uniform was always pristine, man. He just talked smack. 
And so, yeah, man, I, I, he was a tremendous player, man. We had great players, as you know, back then. And and, and people need to know their stories, you know, and, and not when they pass away either. And, right. and that's part of what I try to do. I try to just, you know, let people know how great players were back in my era because they don't know. Well, Larry Bird used to love playing against you, my oh. He taught me how to trash talk, man. He he he, 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 he loved the scoring forwards who were more offense than defense. And the West, the Western Conference swing had a few of those guys. He loved right. that trip. Purvis Short, me. all those guys. Purvis, Kiki. People don't yeah. realize how good Kiki was. They oh my just, God. They just don't they don't understand how good Alex Ingles was as a score. It, it's just it was so many scores back then. That's why people say man, you scored 19,000 points and you didn't make an all-star team. That's why. <laughs> right. You had Kiki, you had Purvis, you had, you had Mark Aguirre. I mean, you you had Larry Nance. You had uh, uh, Mike Mitchell down in San Antonio. You had James Worthy. That was right. why. <laughs> it was an amazing, and all guys who had different types of games and yeah. weren't, three, weren't really three-point shooters. Even you who were like a quote-unquote three-point shooter, you probably averaged like, what, one a game at your peak? One a game. Because you yeah. didn't take them. No. No, but no, now you'd be brain. like, now you would have been, I think, three a game. I think you yeah, would have taken like I'd nine threes a game. Up. Oh yeah. my god! I'd be chucking it up, making about forty mil, fifty mil. I don't know how much uh, does Duncan Robinson make. I'll make double. I'm thinking Joe, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Harris, and Duncan Robinson are like seventeen, eighteen a year. You, I make, that, I you're double. easily making that. Yeah, you're twenty million a year. You're bouncing around. Um, all right, you got to go do your show. I want to. I want you to come back on when it really gets going with the Suns, because I think sure. the Suns, the Suns are going to be around for a while in these playoffs. Uh, I've been trying yeah. to tell people like the Suns aren't losing. They're unless somebody gets hurt, they're making the finals. We could you could make your Golden State case, your Memphis case, whatever, but we are going to see the Suns in the finals unless there's an injury. We're good, man. We're good, Bill. We can stay healthy. I I've never been around a team that has been disconnected ever. And I'm not just saying that loosely. I've watched these guys all year. They are the real deal in regards to being a team. And and, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Well, you got to ask Monty, like, deep down, kind of happy he didn't take that Lakers job, right? Now, he said it was never offered because Phoenix just jumped the gun and they just they offered him and they, yeah. they took him. But holy mackerel. Yeah, yeah, and James Jones. But yeah, yeah Monty, Monty, he knew what he wanted. He knew he knew he wanted to be able to control his environment. He knew he wanted to be able to do all the things that he probably didn't do when he was in New Orleans, mm. you know. And and he wanted that second chance with a group of guys, young guys that would listen to him. And that's why he's here. And they're listening to him. He's like their dad, man, dad, granddad, all of the above, and coach. Well, I voted for him, coach of the year. So I did I did have one positive right, at, least you did that. at least I did that. <laughs> All right. I'm popping on your show at some point, but I'm glad right. we did this. I'm bringing you back later Thanks, in the Bill. playoffs. Good to see you, Eddie Johnson. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That's it for the podcast. Thanks to Wilds. Thanks to Eddie Johnson. Don't forget to check out the Prestige TV podcast. If you like winning time, we have a really good episode that's going up. Uh, Rewatchable's coming on Monday as well. Enjoy the weekend. I will see you on Sunday night.
This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 